0: Thursday, I interviewed Bill Henderson on television and radio and spontaneously invited him to be here today. He didn't know it. I didn't know it before Thursday, but he's here with us. So Dr. Bill Henderson is the head pastor and founder of Remnant Gathering Church. Hungry for revelation in his own life, Dr. Bill studies and prays in the Spirit for at least 12 hours before he preaches the Word of God. With signs, wonders, following praise, Jesus. He's a revivalist, an evangelist, apostolic mantle with a prophetic mouthpiece to the nations. He's sold out to the Holy Spirit, determined only to say what God tells him to say. He knows the power of teamwork and is always willing to link arms with local pastors, outreach, ministries. Psalm 133. To activate believers to win the loss and to advance the kingdom of God in their cities. I mean, that's what we try to do all over the world. WMI, when I go into nations, is trying to encourage the church, edify the church, impart into the church so the church can be effective as a body of believers to be an ambassador in that nation to bring salt and light. The Bible says that we bring the peace to a nation. We do. The church, the people, believers. Jesus doesn't do it any longer. He already did his job. He gave that commission to you. Certainly it's the Holy Spirit, but it's through you. That's why we travel. That's why we preach. That's why we teach. That's why we evangelize. Is the Holy Spirit working through you to bring peace to the nations. You know, That's what he has said when he ascended, go and make disciples. If we don't do that, then the nations suffer because we don't do our job. God has given us that responsibility, and he gave us that assignment, he gave us that power, the God in you, the Holy Spirit. He sold out to the Holy Spirit, determined to do only, again, what God says, to activate believers. Since the 1980s, he's been a regular guest on TBN, Daystar, World Harvest TV, and many other Christian radio and television stations. He was with us again Thursday. He was part of the John Jacobs' original seven-man power team. How many remember that? You know, these muscle heads, these muscle men. I don't think he's going to use his head today to break bricks, but if he does, I'd like to see it. But he was telling me how he broke seven handcuffs, and that's after fasting for 40 days. Yeah, so normally you're, physically you should be a little weaker, but again, again, the God in you. The power in you, if you understand the whole point of fasting, that power that comes through fasting an extension of prayer, it's our nuclear weapons, so to speak, if we really need a breakthrough in prayer we need to fast. They use their displays of physical strength and agility as hooks to get the people's attention to present the gospel. So I know that many, many people came to the Lord that way. Millennials are still coming to the Lord as well as people our age. His first book, God's Radical Remnant, inspires believers to win souls for the kingdom. It's full of real-life stories. It demonstrates the glory and power of God that is available when a person is sold out to Christ. The newest book, Secrets for the Seeker, is the culmination of 39 years of ministry and secrets, God's mandate to build, teach others what I have taught you. I mean, that is what we're supposed to do, teach others, pass on what we have received onto somebody else. All of us have that responsibility. When a church catches that vision and is sold out to the Lord, you can have a New Testament church. Teach Others What I Have Taught You has led to a longer, more in-depth manuscript. In the book, he not only shares fresh revelation from scripture, but secrets. He also illustrates each secret with a story from his own life, nearly 40 years of ministry. I don't know if any of you watched social media, but I actually did the radio interview and put it on social media. Did anybody see it? Several people? Okay. It was on social media. I put it on Facebook, that interview. and We had a good time in that interview. He was a little rowdy. We had to keep him down, but we had a good time. And uh, (laughs) he's established churches in the United States and overseas. He raises up evangelistic teams to go to the streets to win souls and help populate the local church. Some of the churches he started and many of the churches where he's trained evangelistic teams have become mega churches. He has ministered in Canada, Israel, Australia, India, Indonesia, Thailand, Japan, Haiti, Mexico, Scotland, Norway, Jamaica, Brazil, Jordan, the Bahamas, the Philippines, and almost every major city in the United States. And one of the names they call him is Pastor for Disaster. He brings food, water, and needed resources to suffering people. These are some of his description, his bio, who will be speaking for us today. Again one of the original seven-man power teams. I remember watching that. So that was quite a long time ago, amen? (laughs) We all look a little different, including Bill. Okay, let's welcome Dr. Bill Henderson.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. God bless you. So real quick, this is the book here he was making reference to, Secrets for the Seeker. I think you'll love it. It's almost 40 years of my life, and this is the third time for this book that I've redone it. And this time, I went through many, many, many photos and many, many hours of photos. I did not know it was going to take that long. And so I've got photos from actually back in the day. I'll tell you a couple of these stories. And then the actual photos of that happening, like me getting on top of a car with a sledgehammer. Who would have thought? So look to your neighbor and say, by cracky, it could be a little different today. (laughs) And here's a photo of me speaking of photos. Ten years ago, I was dead for a second time in my lifetime, having drove my motorcycle and find some sand that I did not know was there and normally was not there. Slid into a curb and ended up with a thousand pound motorcycle on top of me. So look to your neighbor and just say, ouch, man. (laughs) So do you have a Bible or an iPad or an iPhone or some kind of one of those? You got one? Could you just hold it up and make the devil mad and make God glad? Come on, somebody. Amen. So, let's just do this. This is a prophetic act. Say, Almighty God, Almighty God this, is your word. this is Your Word. And today, and today I, believe, I believe I will get something, will get something fresh, fresh from Your Word. I believe, I believe. For, an for an impartation. I believe, I believe. For, revelation. for revelation. And most of all... A manifestation of new levels of the Holy Ghost. Spirit of God, come and do what you do. Come and get me drunk, even in the morning. Go ahead, just go ahead and just... Not everybody gets it, so go ahead and throw some on your neighbor. I I saw that not everybody got that, but that's okay. And uh, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. What a day this is. To be alive, guys, to be alive today is absolutely phenomenally, oh, Jesus. Thank you that I'm alive. And obviously, after crashing my motorcycle and having Life Flight get canceled as they approached, because the man that was checking on me said, there is no pulse, he is dead. So they, about eight seconds from landing... They canceled light. And then they put a sheet over me. So look to your neighbor and say, you see, it's not that bad yet. Just tell your name, it's just it's just not that bad. So a big Indian man, he got on top of me and he began to pray. And I woke up to a 300-pound-plus Indian man and he was saying, you will live and not die. You will live and not die. And later on, I found that all my ribs were broken and I think I know why how that happened. So. <laughs> No, sir, for reals. And uh, I'm going to tell a little story. I don't always tell this part of it. So while they're like reviving me and praying for me, and then I came back. But during that time, I don't want to gross you out or nothing, but this eye right there was popped out of my head. And it was swinging down here by my bottom jaw. And I guess the protocol, and this man used to be a paramedic, If they find any kind of stuff like that, they don't try to fix you. They just snip it and put it in a bag, and then later it's worth money. So if you're a donor, you're worth more not alive than you are alive, so you might want to reconsider on the back of your license. I'm just saying. That's just free information, and it's true. So he knew that my eye would get snipped and put in a baggie, so he told his daughter, go get a rag and get it cold white towel dripping with water, Because I was just full of dirt and rocks, and my bike had drugged me about 150 feet, and I was a mess. And so she goes, Dad, look, just before she ran to get the wet towel, she goes, look, and she pointed to my eye, there was a perfect shape cut in my round eye, white eyeball, full of blood now, in the shape of a cross. She goes, look at that. And then he was like, yeah, this man must be marked. And then so she ran to get the towel. And then I asked him, I said, so what happened? Did you take the towel and get all the dirt off before you put my eye back? And he says, yeah, I put your eye back. I just said, I've never done that before. And his wife just said, just do it anyway and just pray anyway. And just, she just kept urging him. And so here's what happened. This is an interesting story. So this cut on my eye in the shape of a cross just before the rag dripping with cold water came back, the blood came oozing through the cross and the blood cleansed all the dirt off my eye. And then he just took his hand and went, in Jesus' name, and put it back. Uh, Doctors have since told me and other people... Eye doctors said that is impossible. And look to your neighbor and say, but God, but God. <laughs> but God. So if you'd like a cool scripture to stand on, it's Joel 225 and 6. Because I ended up in ICU 10 years ago and they were not giving me a happy report. And they every day came in or every few hours and they wanted to put a catheter on me. And I kept telling them, put the catheter in the drawer where the sun don't shine because I'm not staying here. And they go, what do you mean you're not staying here? And I said, well, I said, the Lord has spoken to me. And he said, I'm leaving. They went, you're leaving? And I said, yeah, I'm leaving. And they go, when are you leaving? And I said, well, the Lord said, less than 24 hours. Have you ever watched Hee Haw back in the day? (laughs) I have new revelation of Hee Haw. I got he-hawed, accused of everything, trauma, drama, morphine, brain scrambled. I mean, I heard everything you could hear as to why I'm not making any sense and as to it's impossible. It was too late because the Lord spoke to me and He gave me those verses. I already did the study. Verse 25 says that God will restore... And that word means He's going to not only make you better, but He's going to put it better than it was the first time. And then verse 26, God says, I'm dealing with the remnant wondrously. So write those down, Joel 2.25 and 26. And the word wondrously, parah, in Hebrew means when the Holy Spirit touches any kind of a situation and touches something impossible, it changes the status and makes it now possible. Anybody believe what I'm saying today? Amen Amen and amen. So I'm going to tell you a couple stories, and I would like for you to turn the, the classic scripture, Romans 8. We're going to look at 26 and read down a couple of verses. I'd like to go into the original on some of this, and then I would like us to go to 1 Timothy, and we're going to look at verses 18 and 19. The title of today is God's purpose versus our pleasure. God's purpose versus our pleasure. And the subtitle would be, it's time to break the back of shipwreck faith. Can I get a witness? If we've got shipwreck faith, and sometimes when we have it, we don't know we have it, but we're going to break the back of it today. Verse 26, Romans chapter eight. Likewise, the spirit, it also helps Our infirmities, the Greek would read like our inability to produce results. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself, or Himself, Elohim, makes intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. And He searches the hearts and He knows what's in the mind of the Spirit. He knows what's in the mind of God. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God And he makes intercession for us, the saints, and I love this, according to the will of God. You know, Apostle Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all y'all. In Acts 2, when one covenant was being closed out and another covenant was being introduced, and he said, this is that, this is that, and they were all speaking in tongues, and I, for one, have been challenged even by the Lord and by other men of God. And I'm very humbled that a man of this caliber and this ministry would allow me in your pulpit. And I do pray that I've got something to say. Look to your neighbor and say, just give him some time. He's going somewhere. Tell him, tell your neighbor. According to the will of God. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, anoint me to pray more in the Holy Ghost. It will be according to the will of god and then here's the classic and sad to say it gets preached at funerals and i have a daughter in heaven and a mom and a dad and i have family members and etc cetera, etc cetera. and a lot of times this gets said you know at funerals but let me give you the context to it we know that all things work together for good to them that love god and to them who are called Kletos, according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You go into the Greek there, and it means this, and let me just demonstrate this. We know that all things work together for good, as long as we're being conformed, As long as we're allowing God by His Spirit to sanctify us and take us into this place where we're growing up in the things of God. And as long as we're walking in the calling of our calling, that is in context and that's where all things work together for good to them who will pray, to them who will be radical, to them who will be fanatical, to them who will embrace faith, to them who will share your faith, to those who will press in and pray the price. Can I get a nice little witness? Amen. So we're all called to be soldiers for Jesus. And the word is in the Greek, warriors. So let me give you a little more of the original there. So we go back to, we know that all things work together for good. Moral, honest, value, beautiful, and proper things take place in our life for good to them that love God. Remember, if we love God with all of our mind, heart, soul, strength, if we love God with everything, and then it says, and if we love our neighbor as ourself, this fulfills the law, this fulfills the Torah. All those things that were so hard, you know, 613 things, my God, that we're free from now because of the Spirit of the living God. Except for when you do the study on the word law or Torah, it just means teachings and instructions from a heavenly Father. And by the way, there's 1,050 in the New Testament, and you thought you got free from 613. You're not going to escape this thing called God's laws. His precepts, His purposes, His instruction from a lovingly Father. Look to your neighbor and say, It's starting to get kind of cool right about now. It's getting good. Tell your neighbor. It's okay. According to His purpose. His purpose versus our pleasure. His purpose versus our will. His purpose, because of prayer, takes us into His presence. His purpose comes with a great price. It's called time in prayer. I'm going to talk about the word prayer. And I put it in my book. God spoke to me about Matthew 7. And He says, I want you to write a book on Matthew 7. I thought He was talking about the trees and the fruits and the good. Da, 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 da. And He said, read it again. Read it slowly. And I saw in Matthew 7 starting to verse 21 that many will say in that day, Lord, look what I did. I prophesied, I did deliverance, I did miracles, and I did all this stuff, my cracky Lord, I did it in your name. And one of the scariest verses in all the Bible, I think, because, you know, if you're one of those that's traveling and preaching and doing all the stuff we're doing, the last thing you want to hear from a loving creator, from Jesus, is depart from me, I never knew you. And I'm going, okay, I am a white guy. I'm going to look this stuff up. And I did. And it's the word and That means at any time did you stay a lifestyle of staying connected in fellowship and prayer with Jesus. Yeah. The big thing we have to watch is do, 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 but not become, not become, and not become. Becoming is harder than doing. Doing is just see somebody doing, it and just copy it. And anybody can do that. But becoming takes repentance. That's why I got so connected with Dr. Jonathan on the program. I kept hearing this come out of his vein about you can pray till your hair falls out. You can pray all day, but if there's no repentance, Greek word, metanoia, a choice to change your thinking with corresponding actions to what the Bible is saying, it is Yahweh, not our way. Can not I get a witness? Come on, somebody. So... (laughs) I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but I do pray and hope that you take time to get that book. And we're going to learn more about the word prayer. It's in the armor of God. Hopefully we all know. There's the helmet, the breastplate, the loins belt. There's the sandals of peace, the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith. By the way, Ephesians 6 works because Ephesians 5 is working in our life. And you read Ephesians 5, and when you line up with Ephesians 5, then Ephesians 6 just comes in like a rocket ship. And works real good. But verse 18, praying always with all manner of prayer and supplication in the... Right. The other day I was at a church and I said, in the Spanish. And they went, amen. I went, no, (laughs) not amen. And they looked at me. I said, in Chinese. I guess they thought, whatever language you are, just pray that way. Well, yes and no. But it says specifically, pray in the spirit and that word prayer is prosukumia in the greek prosuk and it means breath to breath face to face long periods of time laying prostrate before the creator in his presence and allowing time for him to give an impartation from heaven exchanging our weakness for his supernatural come on somebody Amen. I'm just getting happy here. I might take a bite out of the Bible or something. I don't know. So His purpose will change our priorities. It will bring humility in our life. And it changes perceptions. And when it finds us, our posture changes. You can't wait to lay and pray. It is the highlight of my day. To lay and pray. And then we have the teaching of the outer court, the inner court, and then the Holy of Holies. Psalm 91, 1 and 2. Those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. So you do the Hebrew study there, and it says when you stay connected with the Creator in the Holy of Holies. Well, the outer court is a place of repentance. The inner court was a place of proclamation and decree. But the Holy of Holies that we're supposed to be as believers, if you want to be radical and if you want to be a soul winner, you've got to get to this place where you lay and pray. It's the Holy of Holies. You don't talk there. Most Christians have never found that place. I'm not implying that this group here, especially being hooked with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, there's just no way. You guys have to know this by now. But I'm telling you when I travel and I just talk to the average person, I did start doing research. The average believer, out of every 100 believers, there's only at best 5% that pray five minutes a day. Ouch! This is why I wrote the book. Pastors, leaders, pray maybe 15 minutes a week. And they're teaching and trying to train people. Why? Because there's something called distraction. The devil comes with distraction. And when he can't stop you, he goes, okay. And that little punk comes around behind and he starts shoving you so fast that pretty soon there's just no time to pray. And God has got a remnant. God is bringing a reformation on planet earth. And the people are waking up and going, By cracky, I'm going to stay, lay, and pray until I hear the way. And it's in that quiet place, it's in that intimate place with God that we hear instructions. So I did the whole Greek thing here. If you got a pencil, those who are called according to His purpose, not our pleasure, but His purpose. When the purpose of God is still on your life, we become a ping pong ball. You cannot drown the ping pong ball. Ever try to drown the ping pong ball? That's my word picture. Take a ping pong ball and put it at the bottom of the pool... And then just hold it there enough to drown it. But when you let go, what does it do? Boing, oing, boing, 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 It's because of what's inside the ping pong ball. When God's purpose is being prayed out in our life daily, the Spirit of the living God is charging us and overflowing with us and giving us that fire and that new wine and that fresh zeal where you just get to, I can't help it, you got to tell somebody what Jesus has done for me. And by the way, last night on the way in here, I stopped and talked to a guy. He was standing there, and I said, what you doing? And he looks at me, and he goes, oh, I just dropped off my men. And he was standing there, you know, and he had some beer, and then pretty soon another guy came. I said, you guys must be doing construction. He goes, yeah, we do this, we do that. And then I said, what kind of construction will be in heaven? And he goes, huh? And I said, will you be in heaven to find out if there's construction or not? And he's looking at me, and he went, well, I don't know. And I said, well, if you died today, would you go north or south? Would you go heaven or hell? I'm kind of giving you a crash course in just how easy it is to win a soul. And when I said north, south, heaven or hell, and I wait and I look at him. And he looked at me and he went, well, that's a hard question. I said, it can be. And I said, for most people it is. And he goes, well, I don't know if anybody can know that. And I said, well, actually the Bible shows you a way that you can know. And then I got what most people say, well, I'm a good person. Haven't done that many bad things. And he went down the list why he should be in heaven. Then I quote him Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that We're saved by grace through faith, not of ourself, so no man can boast or brag. I said, brother, it's nothing you can do. I said, it's God's grace. It's you believing by faith in him. And I said, it's this simple. Do you believe in almighty God? And he goes, well, yeah. Do you believe that this Almighty God, the creator of the world, do you believe he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on a cross so that we don't have to die? And he goes, I do. And I go, but have you been born again? Like Jesus told Nicodemus. And he goes, probably not. <laughs> and I said, probably most people, they get that far and they don't know if they have. And I said, sir, if you were born again, if you were saved like me, you could tell your story. I said, here's my story in about 90 seconds. I grew up in church. I sold Bibles. I didn't know the God of the Bible I was knocking on door and selling. I was baptized nine times. I went in a dry sinner. I came out a wet center. I never had the conversion sir, that goes from your head to your heart. I never had that until December the 5th, 1978 about 8.30 at night hanging out with some people I shouldn't have been hanging with even though I grew up in church, even though I had a strong mother in the faith and a sister and they really they lived the christian life i couldn't deny it my mom would pray there's all kind of stories about an impartation from my mother she would take me to skid row los angeles when i was only 7 and 8 years old and she showed me how to do matthew 25 ministry to take care of the hungry and the poor and the naked and to be jesus to people and i said to him i smoked too much angel dust i fell over dead I said, a demon. I'm sure it had to be. Grabbed me by the throat and was pulling me out of my body. I'm looking at a dead man. So I said, "What's your name?" Called him by name. Shook his hand. My name is Bill. Right about that time, and his eyes were like biggest plates. He's going, "Oh." And I said, and I heard my mother, even though she went to heaven seven years earlier, but God replayed my mother's voice. Billy, don't run from God. Billy, run to God. Billy, don't run from Jesus. Billy, run to Jesus. And I said, you know what, sir? I thought right then and there. I said, man, I'm not going to heaven, and I don't want to go to hell. And I said, help! And I remembered a prayer But when I was a little kid and I memorized John 3.16, I got a little Dewey button and a piece of chocolate. And I really did it for the chocolate. I didn't care about the button, but I wanted the chocolate. So I memorized John 3.16. I quoted it to him. And I said, and that special prayer that put me back in my body, that changed my life, because, sir, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away and all things are new. I didn't go over three minutes And I talked kind of quick. And I said, but this hand, you see that hand? This hand used to hurt people. I was a bar bouncer, street fighter, all of that. I said, but sir, God has touched me. He's changed me from a dope dealer to a hope dealer. That same hand that hurt people now helps people. And I just stuck my hand towards him. And I said, would you like to pray with me? And he grabbed my hand. He said, I would love to pray with you. With tears coming down his face. He accepted Jesus Christ in his heart. And I said, if you'll allow me, I'd like to take a picture of you and keep you in my prayer log. He said, I would love that too. So if you want to see him, I'll show you after class. Look to your neighbor and say, things are kind of getting cool right about now. Tell your neighbor. (laughs) According to God's purpose, not our pleasure. It is the word prothesis. And it's like you see the soldiers that are all getting limbs blown off and they're coming back and they're putting prothesis. They have artificial arms and hands and legs. And God is like a prothesis in the area where there's inability to produce results. And it means God's intentions, God exhibits in our life and in His plan to do that, God's advice that is God's purpose, and it only comes by horizontal posture to lie prostrate and to lie outstretched. Oh, my gosh, this verse is saying a whole lot more than we thought. When we align with Him, then our assignment releases His purpose, His pleasure, and our calling becomes activated. Now, let's turn over quickly, and then I've got to tell you just a couple of little stories here. But let's turn over to 1 Timothy, chapter 1. And I did this study years ago, but I did it again this morning, in the wee hours of the morning. I got my Bible all marked up, and you're going to love it. Looking at verse 18 and 19, and we're being told here, because we're soldiers of Jesus, we are warriors, but we're told and we're given a charge, we're given a command, verse 18... To commit according to the prophecies. So I did a little word study there. According to inspired words spoke over us. Prediction, forth telling. According to, watch this, it's the Greek word prophetica. And it means according to the ability by God for us to lead forth into battle with the power and presence of God because of what was spoke to us. Sometimes he speaks directly through the Scripture. All Scripture is inspired. All Scripture is new, now, and alive. Psalm 119.89 says, God's Word is forever settled in heaven. And it means it's in step it's in sync, it's on time, it's now, it's alive, it's alert, and it makes us stand up and take action. Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. So commit, Timothy, commit warriors here in Washington to the prophetic prophecies spoken over us. That went before us that we might buy them war. That's a long Greek word. S-T-R-A-T-E-U-O-M-I-A. That we might, watch what this means, serve as a military soldier. Well, I like being a nice Christian and I really like cupcake Christianity. I know. Everybody does it first. You get saved. There's that honeymoon. And it's kind of a cupcake Christianity, and everything is beautiful. And then along the way, you realize, oh my God, I've got a lot of responsibility. I know how to not go to hell, and other people's don't. And I can tell you this, I interview people everywhere I go. It's in me. It's in my DNA. It's part of my calling. And I'm telling you, the Barna Research stats that are outdated, it says that every hour... 6,900, almost 7,000 people per hour while we are cupcaking and fellowshipping. And all of that's fine and dandy, but if we don't see the sign at the back of the church that says, you are now entering the mission field. And I'm not good with 7,000 people an hour of which only 3 to 5% make heaven. That's a lot of people going south to hell And not north to heaven. So I believe that I'm born. I believe that my writings, and I believe the little bit I get to share what I'm sharing like today. I believe for an impartation for the listening audience, those that are here live and those that are listening to this tape. I brought with me some frankincense awesome oil. And I would love to, whoever wants a little bit of a fresh touch. To walk in a new level of zeal and power and fire. Matthew says, 11, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Watch what it says next. Does anybody know? But the, the violent take it by force. And I know you would know that and I figured he would know it. But watch this. The violent take it by force. In the Greek, watch this. Say it with me. The extreme. The zealous. The passionate, one who enforces the Word of God by speaking it and praying it. Look to your neighbor and say, you needed a dose of that. Come on, take some. Go ahead and tell your neighbor. The zealous, the extreme, the passionate. The zealous, the extreme, the passionate. The zealous, the extreme, the passionate. Take it by force. That's the word harpazo. That's the word where we get caught up. Come on, somebody. It's a supernatural snatching. And God says, if you'll be extreme and zealous and passionate, if you'll enforce the kingdom by speaking the prophetic word, speaking the written word, and speaking the will of God, you will snatch people from hell. Come on, somebody. Okay, so the military soldier... This is worth coming today, right here. If you don't believe me, I'll pull up my little iPhone and I'll take you right there. This word warfare means to contend with other believers and people and their carnal inclinations. Whoa! You know, you expect if we went to war, there's that kind of war. If there was an EMP and the craziness that could happen from that, there's that kind of war. But there's a warfare every day. I tell people, you know, God gave you a family to prepare you for ministry. Come on, somebody. I didn't get a good witness, but everybody in their head was going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If we can survive our family. In other words, Jesus said, I'm not received in my own hometown. The prophet, the preacher, the man of God, you're the woman of God. People that know you, they go, ah, I remember when you was, you know. Yeah. People talk about me. You know, I remember you went to juvenile hall for a year. I remember you stole cars. I remember you beat everybody up, got kicked out of every school in San Bernardino. I go, but that was then and this is now, pal. I'm not that person no more. Come on, somebody. So we got to endure the carnal inclinations And as a military person, receive the duties and the function, be steadfast in the things of God as if we are enlisted in an army and continue in them. This thing is pretty heavy. Well, as we pray in tongues every day, he shows us strategies for each and every day. As we wage a good warfare, holding faith and good conscience or moral co-perception Our perception has gotta line up with the morality of the Holy Spirit in Jesus because some have put away their faith and become shipwreck. So I looked up the second word. I'm gonna have to turn my Bible sideways there. The warfare is simply hardship, danger, strict, hard, hard duties, and we're to be, however, encamping, strong, And becoming steadfast and sure in the things that God has called us to. Say this with me. Say, God's presence takes time. God's purpose will give us character. And all of that, we walk in holiness. We walked in sanctification. So, let me tell you kind of my journey. Now, you might not believe this. Pastor, I was born at a very young age. (laughs) Okay, so you do believe me. Okay, so (laughs) I was born at a young age, and I walked like this. And I had something called leg perthes. My right hip socket was 50% disintegrated. And my right leg, by the time I was five, was two inches shorter. And I had to walk with a built-up shoe, a leg brace, and a pair of crutches. If you think God didn't put a hook in my jaw back in the day, it started a few years ago. And so... I spend almost a year in the hospital. They send me home with all these apparatuses, and I remember they are giving me shots. I don't like shots to this day. And all this therapy, and they had my leg, and they had this basket, and they put weights, and they were, I don't know what they were stretching my leg, I don't know what they were doing. And I remember mean nurses in the middle of the night, come on somebody, male and female coming in there and and i thought one of these days i'm going to be bigger and you will be sorry (laughs) and so i go home and they say there's no hope he will not be out of his teens this will spread through his body it was an acute case of perthes and my mom says you don't understand i think during that year that i wasn't bugging her that i was in the hospital i think she got closer to god because when I came out, she was like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. All my friends are going, dude, your mom's a fanatic. I'm going, I live with her, I know. And so she preached to them. She said, someday you will see. Well, we were home watching television. How many you, thank God for TV? And I'm going to close out this service today showing you the most powerful way of soul winning in evangelism on the planet, bar none, The same statistic work no matter where I'm at. In all the nations I go, I do the same thing. And the last thing I say every single time is the one that's like, oh, my goodness. So my mom was saying, you know, listen to this man, son. And old Roberts was talking and preaching. And he kept pointing into the television camera. And he kept saying, now, the anointing of God can go through the television airways. This is back in 1950, not that long ago. And... And he was praying for people. It was a tent. People were getting out of wheelchairs. People were taking braces off. And my mom goes, well, and I'm like, I don't know. And she goes, go touch the TV like he said. So I went over to the TV and I touched the TV and I limped away. And I remember thinking, I guess I didn't get healed. But then old Robert said something. So let me pass this on. This is profound, but yet so simple. He said, once you pray. See, we shoot ourselves in the foot. King David said, set a guard, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips that I don't sin against you. We pray one minute and then Sister Sasquatch comes in with Pastor Sheets and Brother Pillows. And, and then they go, so how's he going? All oh, the doctors said. Who? Who cares what the doctor said? How about the great physician? Come on, somebody. By his stripes we are healed. Old Robert said, once you pray and ask God, don't dig up your seed. Now, we know that he taught about that. That's where we learn seed time and harvest and seed faith for healing, for money. Everything reproduces. And so my mom says, well, start thinking Jesus. And I'm just standing there five years old looking at the TV. And she just came up to me and she goes, I said, start thinking Jesus. I remember thinking, I'm going to end up with an earlobe down to the floor. And so I started thinking, Jesus, do you know I was coming out of my bedroom, and instead of walking like this, I'm walking this way. And my mom sees me. She said a sentence that I will never forget because it's so power-packed. It's so filled with faith, and it was so prophetic. It was prophetic then, all these years ago, not that long ago, but a few years back. It's prophetic now. And she said these words when she saw that the power of God had healed me while I slept. Amen. She said this. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I believe in Makos. <laughs> when you get your ta-da, that's what you're gonna say. You're gonna prophesy the same thing. Oh! She took me back to the doctor. She said, explain this. And doctors were standing there. They x-rayed me again. And they said, Mrs. Henderson, this is a miracle. He has a brand new hip socket from half gone to full. And his leg appears to be the same length as the other one. We didn't do this. This has to be a miracle. And my mama said, I told you guys, if you had God in this hospital, this wouldn't be a hospital. If you had God in this hospital, this would be a church. Stay with me. Stay with me. So I, I went part of the time in the children's hospital, part of the time at where I was born, Queen of Angels, which is now a 14 story church. If you have God in a facility, it becomes a church. Yes. But the real church is the gathering of people. One of the original words is strategileo. And it means a group arising like a military army, a military force to advance the kingdom of God. And we're called soldiers For Jesus, you stay in the race long enough, and you finally come to that place. Instead of for Jesus, we become soldiers of Jesus. Come on, can I get a witness? Look at your neighbor and say, you're that army. You're You're rising up. up. So there's my background. (laughs) And now I grow up knowing the ta-da and the ah! And I know all that. And I still wanted to do my thing. And I started fighting. And I'll tell you why I started fighting. My mom, I came home one day, and she goes, why are you so hungry? And I said, George. She goes, George what, George who? And I said, George, he steals everybody's lunch. And my mom says, when she started that, look out. That finger went. She goes, you come home one more day hungry. She goes, you'll have to fight me. I'm going. Now, George was a head taller than me. He had been held back like two grades. He was big. And I'm like, in second grade, and George is like, up here. I'm down here. And so I went, George? Mom, George? I I chose George. (laughs) And so I, even before I got born again, born again, I always had this thing where I would just say, help. I would cry out to God. I mean, this might be a little iffy. But I got this vision... (laughs) And I'm like, I don't want Mom to whip me. I don't know what to do with George. So George would take the sack lunch every day, and he'd unroll it, and he'd look in there, and he'd take out what he wanted, want, which was normally everything. He might leave you one, and then he'd give you back the sack, and he'd be eating your stuff. And I said, Self, I know how this is going to work. So when George took my sack and he was looking down in there, I just brought one up from the floor. (laughs) I knocked out George. And I became the king-ping fighter in second grade. And it never stopped till I was 27 years old. How crazy is this? One day the Lord said, you know, I allowed you to fight. So you'd understand the fight of faith. Because it is a fight. And it's a fight of endurance. And it's a fight of not calling things that are as though they are, but it's calling things that are as though they are not. And we can go on and on about the steadfastness of faith. The word faith is trust. In the Old Testament word, it's emunah, and it's lifestyle and character and conduct. But really, it's both. When you get in the kingdom of God, we've got to trust, 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 and allow our lifestyle, our character, and our conduct to become lined up with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I have another message I used to do and still do called Calling Versus Character, And a lot of times, calling will take you down the road faster than you can believe. But if your character hasn't been sanctified yet, if you haven't prayed that price, that's where we kind of get thrown off the story sometimes. Now, let's fast forward. There it was. I was born at a young age. I get miracle. And now I get born again on a drug overdose. You heard the story. I just told you. Now I'm in the kingdom barely and I said, God, I will do anything. I will do everything. I just don't want to backslide. And uh, I saw Ken Copeland and Fred Price and two others, because I used to go check myself in a hotel. I still do it to this day, just so I can pray. Put a towel over the TV, lay and pray, and pray in tongues. At this time, I hadn't got tongues yet. And they said, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, your chances of backsliding are way bigger. And I went, oh, no. And so that day I went and I said, sis, do you speak in tongues? And she said, not yet. And I said, well, we grew up Baptist. I thought that was of the devil. And she said, let me ask you something. Did you find any of it in bags that you sold? Did you find it in the street fighting? Did you find it in jail? Did you find it? out there? And I said, no, there wasn't no tongues. And she goes, and maybe it wasn't of the devil. And I said, well, what are you going to do? And she goes, well, I'm working on it. I said, well, I'm going to go get it. And she goes, well, we'll just see. And I go, watch. And I went a block away from where I lived. I went into my bedroom and I said, Jesus, now the Baptists teach you, if it be your will. So I said, if it be your will, I'll take this gift called tongues. And all of a sudden out of my belly, I thought it was like starting a Harley or something, and it was andala, andala, and, and, I, and I was visualizing my motorcycle, la la. andala la la and all of a sudden, andala, makor, yata, masi, horobo, I said, oh man, I went back and I said, sis, I got it, and so ever since then, I just get away and, till I see stuff, so here, it's in my book, It's in this one over here. This was my first funeral. I entitled it Track Bouquet. The lady that was my mom's friend and our family lived right across the street. And when she saw that I was so changed by the power of Jesus... And she wanted to hear my testimony. And she says, when I die, I want you to do my funeral. And I said, well, don't die now. Come on, it's okay. Well, about a month later, she did. She passed away. And then so I'm like, how do you do a funeral? I'm just new at this stuff. So I called a couple of pastors. I'm calling my sister. I'm calling everybody. And all of them said, the Lord will show you. And I'm going, I want you to tell me. And they go, when you pray, the Lord will show you. And I'm like going, okay. And you give me a challenge. I like challenges. So I just said, then I'm just going to go in the bathroom. And I said, I'm going to stand up on the edge of the tub. I'm going to pray in the shower. And if I stop praying, I'll fall down and crack my head or something. I'm not going to give up until God shows me the way. So the first hour, I'm... I don't know how to do a funeral. Bon second hour, third and fourth hour, that water was so cold. And my heart was hot. And I get a vision. I went, oh my gosh, I got it. So I went and I told my sister. And I told my brother. And they went... Did you test the spirits? Are you sure? If you do that, I don't know you. And I'm thinking, oh man, maybe I'm in the flesh. Maybe this is not good. But through the message, I kept seeing me put gospel tracks in the fingers of the lady and make like a bouquet of, instead of flowers, it's gospel tracks. And I begin to say, ladies and gentlemen, Shell and Hellnut, she didn't go to hell. Hell ain't swell. Hell is hot. Don't be a fool today. Be cool. Make heaven. Come and let Shell and Hellnut hand you a track because she went to heaven and she wants you to go to heaven. She told me she wanted me to do the funeral because she knew I would talk about Jesus like I've done for the last hour. And I, come and let Shell and Hellnut, let her just hand you a track. And the ones that knew the Lord, they look like red skeleton. They can take a track. and yeah. Remember red skeleton? <laughs> the ones that didn't know, I had to guide their hand towards the tracks. And then I was like, okay, all the tracks are gone, all the people. And the whole time, their mouths were just like, oh. And I'm thinking, man, God really anointed me. So strong that people couldn't even close their mouth the whole hour. And I ran over to my sister. I said, sis, dear God, the power of heaven has filled this place. I said, no one could close their mouth for the whole last hour. And she said, that's because, you idiot. You've been calling her Shellan Hellnut for one hour. Do you not remember her name is Helen Shellnut? <laughs> not Shellan Hellnut? <laughs> I thought I was anointed. Oh, God. I'm telling you, I want a decarpet to create me a hole in a trap door. And I'm just like, oh, I quit. I, I'm done. I said, sis, you finish. She goes, oh, no, no, I warned you. you. You have to go through this. And I said, God, I'm just, I'm done. And the Lord says, why don't you just ask for forgiveness? And, you know, in my message, through everything I say and teach and The message of forgiveness can only come by one way. You know, our Father, who art in heaven, how will it be thy name? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For you're the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. All men is what translations put. There's two more verses it's another one of those Matthew 7 scary kind of verses. And it says, Because if you don't forgive others, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your sins. Amen. But as we forgive, then he forgives us. Amen. I went to the gravesite and I said, Guys, would you forgive me? I am so sorry. I'm nervous. It's my first funeral. I don't know what I'm doing. And I am always have been dyslexic. I need somebody to forgive me." Very slowly, a lot of hands and hairy eyebrows were up, pretty soon a finger went up, pretty soon a hand went up. Pretty soon they all did. I finished that message, over 50 people, <laughs> and a guy in a wheelchair rolled down just before they lowered shell and Hellnut into the, <laughs> into the ground. Her whole family, eight people, all but one person, her whole family gave their life to the Lord that day, and about 50 people. So come on, God will take our blunders, and He will make a wonder. I could tell you so many stories. We talked about them on the broadcast. Traveling the nations, prophetic acts, like we just drink in the Bible. It's just a prophetic act, but we're just saying, Lord, fill me today afresh. And, you know, the real secret is praying in the Spirit. So. Probably all of you have that, but if there's anybody here that's not fluent or flowing, I would love to pray for you. So, one of the recent stories, and that's in this other book here, and there's a picture back there, and I was talking to some of you the pastors here, it shows everybody in military uniforms, and everyone's doing a thumbs up, and it's like, yay, and it's the military that's in the Padang, Indonesia. And we went there after the earthquake, mudslide, 400 families and schools drowned in mud. And Jan Crouch flew me and a team of eight over to Indonesia. And the one of the things the Lord said, stand on Psalm 83.3. And I almost forgot about it, but I did towards the last, and thank God I did. We go there to Jakarta, and it's mostly all Islamic. They've never even seen our Bible. Okay, so everybody, and there's there's underground churches, etc. And then we caught a plane, flew over to Padong, then rented a van. They give you a driver, and we drove a van into the jungle that was just on a road that kind of went like that. We get there, and it's like, yay, the Americans are here. They thought I was some kind of a colonel or something, and they were translating, and and I was just kind of like... What's going here? And tell them that I need the yellow curtain up, that we need to go. You know, I just act like I had authority. I just acted like it. And they were just like, <laughs> and they're obeying. And so they lifted up the tape and we walked over where all the devastation was with a translator. Ladies and gentlemen. And my friend Bobby, I got pictures of this in the book too. Ladies and gentlemen, we come from America and we have a message, Indonesia, Jesus saves. And I started preaching, there's no other name under heaven whereby man can be saved, but at the name of Jesus, not Allah, Jesus. Every eye will see, knee bow and tongue confess that He is Lord. And I gave my testimony real quick, I said, who wants to know? There was about 500 people over half of them came forward in the jungle, got on their knees. We started handing out Bibles that I smugged in. I found out later they could have assassinated me for. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. And we're like, what's this? And they were throwing rocks. And I blew a shofar about the size of that one right there. And I went, Hur-hur-hur. The few started throwing rocks. Then here comes all these motorcycles. And they got in front of our van. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And all my teams looking at me like, now what? And I said, well, I didn't come here to die. I don't feel it's time. I said, let's get out of here. Had two military men with me. They jumped out and they started moving motorcycles out of the way. And it was a little bit of a physical altercation out there. And the driver wouldn't go. And I said, Tell the driver to drive now. And he wouldn't do it. And I said, Why won't he go? And he says, Because Allah will kill him. And I said, Tell him I've not been saved that long. I will kill him <laughs> if he doesn't go. And he still wouldn't go, so I just, hum, hum. You know, I did. I'm just confessing my faults before the brother. And I grabbed his arm and I hit him about ten times and he went, and he starts driving, he's got one gimp arm. Pretty soon he goes, And what does he want now? He's asking for a cigarette because his arm is in so much pain. And my street-preaching 35-year friend, he's looking at me and he goes, you know, that don't sound half bad. He says, I'm pretty nervous myself. I'll have one of them cigarettes. But he was joking, of course. They chased us for three hours, three hours through the jungle. At one point, they shoved a log. We went around it. They pushed a big cow. We went around it. And then you had to go through a police checkpoint and to God be the glory, the gates were up, and we did not stop. We just kept driving. And they're like looking at us like, huh, can you do that? What are we doing? And then all of a sudden, we're driving, driving. It's torrential rain. The thing starts black smoke, rice patties on both sides. Behold, there was one house with a 4 by 4 pickup truck. I said, everybody, give me your rubies, your ruples, or whatever they call their money over there. I had a fistful. And then I said... Okay, Lord, now what? And we knock on the door and we said, we're late for church. <laughs> we didn't tell them we we're being chased. We're late for church here. It's yours if you get us to church on time. And the guy did it. And then they were behind us. Here they came on their motorcycles. And I said, God, Psalm 83.3, the chosen, the protected, the cherished, and the word Tosophon is invisible. And all of a sudden, they stopped chasing us, looking this way and that way. And it was only one road, two lanes, rice paddies on both sides. And you could tell we must have vanished. This has happened time and time again in Haiti and in Mexico and all these places we go where there's serious disasters. So anyways, when you guys do take an offering today, decide to do that, if you purchase some product back there, If you give any kind of a donation, you're sending this wild man, once upon a time, a dope dealer, and now I'm a hope dealer, and you're helping send me to the nations. Right now, can we have some music, and can I just do a final little thing? You don't don't mind? Watch what I'm about to tell you before we pray. I'm going to mention, say, four things. But the last thing, most of your hands will go up. And if no hands go up, then we know what you need. (laughs) Watch. How many people got saved by a street preacher? Like Schombach? You don't have any troubles. He got saved by a street preacher. All you need is faith in God. He said one time, Schombach, I knew him pretty good. He laid hands on me a few times. Used to travel with him. And he said he was walking in and somebody, hey, sinner. He said, well, that's me. So he turned around. He listened to the guy. And he ended up giving his life to Jesus become one of the most greatest tent preachers besides old Robert that ever walked the earth. Okay, I'm a street preacher. Jesus was. About 15 times it's not known. About 30 times Jesus preached in the synagogue. But 165 times Jesus was preaching outdoors. And he said in Matthew 4.19, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So if he preached outdoors, we should too. Amen? How many got saved by a radio? You did? Was to, uh, Who was it? I was listening to praise. Crazy... Come here a little louder. I just, I'm curious. Uh, I was listening to praise worship station. You were listening to a radio and they gave an altar call on the radio? No, so it was a song on the radio. That so the song ministered to you and you cried and you got. Wow. Praise God for radios. Yeah. Praise God for TVs. How about a crusade? You know, old Roberts, Billy Graham, Greg Glory, all these crusades, they fill thousands of people, go to stadiums. By the way, YWAM did a survey and about two to three percent stay the course on the big Tadas. Just telling you. Anybody get saved in a big crusade? So I could go down the list and now we have Facebook. And actually, there is probably pretty good response on Facebook. People praying to receive the Lord. But the greatest way for us to be empowered for evangelism is to understand that God who hung the stars, who knew your name before you went to mama's belly, God who has yada, He knew you, He's got a plan for your life, He has strategically placed you in these woods. Come on, somebody. Wherever you are, God has placed you. The ministry you're with, God has placed you. And the most powerful is from someone we know. Someone in our world, or like my mom and my sister, they really impacted my life. When it came time to, I'm either going to heaven or hell, one, I could hear mom's voice telling me, run to Jesus. So how many people got saved from a family member, a friend, or someone in your world either invited you to church, took you to church, or prayed with you? Can I see your hands? How'd you get saved?
0: In the kitchen of the First Baptist Church in Marysville.
1: So what influenced you to come into the kingdom?
0: Well, they allowed me to sing with the choir and everything before I knew the Lord.
1: So that would be people you know then, huh? Uh, See what I'm saying? And I I had made about nine trips to the altar, but I was doing it so my mom wouldn't bother me. But anyway, can we stand up right now? And uh, I'm going to about this time turn it back over to the pastor. I've got this oil here. I would like to pray a prayer of impartation to you guys. But allow me to lead you in a prayer right now that does that. And for those that want some oil on you, I'll be back there and I'll pray with you one-on-one. Let's just say this, you guys. Say, Almighty God. Today is that day day. I receive all all before the foundations of the earth that you've laid out for me. I'm asking to be radical, fanatical, on fire, filled with your desire. I'm asking to become a soldier of Jesus. I'm asking to be a radical soul winner like never before. In Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit, touch me, teach me, train me from now until forever. In Jesus' name.
0: This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I hope you've enjoyed today's warning radio program. My speaker, Dr. Bill Henderson. Nickname Pastor for Disaster, because he brings food, water, and needed resources to suffering people. The title of the message It's Time to Break the Back of Shipwrecked Faith. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed my warning radio program. I'll tell you, I want you to do what you can to support me. We do need help. This is listener supported. And last year, I got into some real debt over the course of a year. So I do need people, if they enjoy it, help me. My phone number, 360-629-5248. 360-629-5248. You can telephone and give a donation. You can also make sure you get on our mailing list. We send out news articles twice a month, absolutely free. They'll encourage you develop you, educate you, prepare you for what's about to happen in the United States and around the world. So you can telephone 360-629-5248 and ask to be put on my mailing list, email newsletter pastoral mailing list. They will send you pastoral articles twice a month absolutely free. Now my website is www.worldministries.org www.worldministries.org. Tremendous website. You can watch my television programs, radio programs. We're actually on seven days a week, either radio, television, shortwave, or podcast. You can tune into my website, www.worldministries.org, and see tremendous programs each and every day of the year. I want to wish all of you out there the very best 2023, the best year you've had in your entire life. May God richly bless you.